0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode number 42 of the Motor City Metrics podcast. We're here on a Monday night. The Tigers are on a four-game win streak. we got a lot of things to talk about. Episode number 42 of this promises to be the Jackie Robinson level of all podcasts. It will be podcasting excellence as we go through the evening, uh, talking about all things Tigers and a little bit of MLB. Uh, again, my name is John Urkula. People call me Yoop. Joining me tonight is the ever-present JFK, John F. N. Kloss, uh, is running the show here tonight. And then joining us, as he does periodically, and we should have him on more, is Mr. Cameron Evans. Welcome, Cameron. How have you been? Pretty good. A man of many words. Very erudite. I love it. So, tonight, hey, we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to start off uh, talking about the Tigers weekend. You know, they were playing pretty poorly last week and managed to stave off a late rally from the Yankees to uh, avoid the sweep at Comerica Park. And then they went into Chicago this weekend and really showed themselves, I think, to be in a superior place to where the White Sox really are right now. They, they won two close games, and they also put a 10 nothing thumping on them. Uh, John, what did you see this weekend?
1: Oh, a lot of good stuff. Honestly, uh, where do I, where do I start? Reese Olsen. I know we're going to talk about the Tigers rotation later in the show. So just touching on him real quick. Another really good start. I believe it went seven scoreless, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm-hmm. Was really very, very efficient. We've seen Torkelson hit a home run got to 25 home runs. Uh, that's great to see as well. Um, the offense was okay. You had Scooble who had another good start as well. And then on Saturday in game two, the Tigers just absolutely whooped the White Sox. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what you can say about the White Sox. I know we're going to talk about the Tigers a lot in this show, but in terms of Chicago, I don't know. Their farm system isn't the greatest. Um, yeah, I, in terms of, like, you have Eloy Jimenez, you have Luis Robert. Other than that, man, I mean, you still have Dylan Cease, who has had up an up-and-down year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what their future holds, but I think the Tigers definitely look like the better team. And I think it's, I'm not going to say it's crazy, but it looks like the Tigers are going to finish no further than third place in the AL central, which going into the season, I remember my friend, I told my friend, um, I think we actually posted a video about the Tigers finishing above the white Sox, And I got laughed at for that. And, um, (laughs) it looks like they're going to finish above the white, uh, the white Sox. uh, with a pretty good margin as well. So, uh, yeah, really good stuff there. And also really good stuff from Bloodright, the sponsor of the podcast, uh, with a $5 donation. So thank you very much. Uh, he is the man.
0: Cameron, what stood
1: out to you this weekend?
2: Uh, what stood out to me, as much as uh, we like to dog on our own organization and Scott Harris we think isn't making the right moves and Chris Illich isn't making the right moves, it could be worse. We could be the White Sox who fired their, I don't know if he was president, GM, I don't remember what his title was, fired him. And then they hired from within. So an organization that has been struggling and underperforming for the past five years, got rid of their president too late. And then, and then they decided to go from within. And I'm not going to speak for White Sox fans, but as a tiger fan, I know that if Illich fired Avila, and then they immediately hired from within. A week later, I'd be pretty pissed off. So if David Chad was the executive in charge right now, it would not be a good thing. You, you no, would have been it, fired up over that. It would. It would have been worse than Avila. I, I would have wanted to get Avila at that point. So, so <laughs> well, you yeah, know, this... it's
0: it's it's really interesting that uh, the White Sox brought in Chris Getz, and you know, Raj and I were speculating last week. I was wondering, you know. Gets was a big part of hiring Pedro Griffal. I don't know how to say his name. Doesn't matter. Um, I'm just wondering if Reinsdorp is cheap enough that he wanted to stay indoor in in house, so that Pedro Griffal would have a an advocate uh, in the front office who hired him and wasn't looking to hire his own guy.
2: If if you're that cheap that you're afraid of manager turnover, uh, I mean it it it's it's just messy. It's yeah, it um I mean really? and he's somehow he he hasn't they have the same they had the same team as last year and Tony Larusa we thought was underperforming with this roster and mm-hmm. when somehow uh, you bring in a new guy who is performing even even worse with the same team it I, I mean it's kind of like going from Jim Leland to Brad Osmus. Except at least Ausmus was able to carry the team to the playoffs in 2014. So one year. Yeah. yeah.
0: So tell me this. I asked Roger this and I asked you guys both. If you had to look at the White Sox right now, what is the White Sox identity? What
1: are they? So I think it was their young offensive core, right? With Eloy Mm -hmm. Jimenez, Johan Moncada, Tim Anderson. You had Oscar Colas. Oh, I'm missing a few. Andrew Vaughn, uh, obviously, I think I said Luis Robert. That was what they were going to kind of build off of, was that young nucleus of guys. And if we're being honest, the White Sox had a very talented roster heading into this season with guys like Lucas Giolito in the rotation. Uh, Michael Copet, who I remember a lot of people were looking at him as a potential future Cy Young winner. You obviously had Dylan Cease as well. You added a veteran and Mike Clevenger. Uh, still had a pretty strong bullpen as well. Um I don't know. Youper. I mean, they were, they were supposed to win the division last year, and then they essentially mm-hmm. just brought back the same team this year and just added Andrew Benintendi. So it's it's the talent just didn't perform. It's it's that simple. Yeah, I
0: would say I would agree. I think their their, their identity is the was anyway the position players, right? The young position players were going to come together and be this offensive force, and it just has not happened. And I almost think. Cameron, I'm wondering, is it to the point now where they can't even claim that
2: as their uh, identity? They they don't have an identity. If uh, yeah. I would compare this to the 2017 Tigers, where there is no identity, and mm-hmm. their best bet is to fire sale and to to rebuild. But wow. even again, then, uh, yeah, even. again, and I don't know if I would trust Gets to be able to rebuild this organization. Because, uh, I mean, what, they have Luis Robert for two, three more years. And I think Eloy Jimenez for the same amount. Tim Anderson's a free agent. Tim Anderson is battling Javi Baez for worst <laughs> qualified hitter in the American <laughs> League, or in Amazing. Major League Baseball, I think. So, I don't know. They don't have an identity, especially with Tim Anderson being as poor as he is. Uh, he's not even getting on base for to get driven in by Luis Robert or Eloy Jimenez Mm -hmm. who I think both are having a fine years. I mean, not good enough to carry the offense, but I mean, I think you keep those two pieces and then you have to try and rebuild within two or three years because you have a small window. Yeah. And as John noted, there's not much of a farm system.
0: So the Tigers go in there on a Friday and win four to two, Uh, pretty nip and tuck game. Uh, It was good to see Alex Lang come in. Um, you know, kept them off the board, got the win. They win 10-0. And you know, seemingly everybody on the roster had three hits in that game or more. Uh, Miguel Cabrera with four. Uh could be the last time we see him with a four-hit game. It was his 49th in his career. Really pretty amazing. Uh he he really smashed a couple balls and then he got one break where the uh, the ball hit second base and he got a bounce, which was really fun for him. Um I really thought that the starting pitching looked really good. Um, Erod was a little shaky at, like in the first inning. Then he kind of got into a groove. Scooble almost did the exact same thing, a little shaky at first, and then uh, was just mowing people down from that point forward. And then Reese Olson was really an interesting thing. He all the, You know, he's been such a strikeout pitcher. All of a sudden in that game, he goes seven innings, strikes out only one, and becomes a ground ball pitcher out of nowhere. Uh so that was the starting pitching was really something to to behold. And again, the White Sox aren't a great team, but uh I thought there were some real bright spots there.
1: Yeah, could we can kind of get into the rotation talk right now? Because we did kind of have that as a topic, but sure. I don't know if yeah, so um uh, I did post a tweet a couple of days ago and it was about uh the tigers rotation heading into next year. So obviously the rotation right now you have Eduardo Rodriguez, Scuble. Uh, Manning and Resolson, and then you kind of just plug in Casey Myers when she gets healthy. And then the question was, do you think the staff is good enough to compete for the division in 2024? Uh, I'll start with you, Cameron, with that staff right there. Obviously, you're hoping you bring back Eduardo Rodriguez, which I'm, I don't know about you guys. I'm really hoping he's in the Tigers uniform next year. Um, and then you, it's kind of just Erod rolling with the young guys and seeing what they can do in
2: 2024. So I think uh, the staff will be the biggest part. So I think the Tigers have a very good bullpen. And I think they even have a better bullpen than what you might see on paper. But because they've been so taxed, they're starting to show that they're starting to show some weakness right now. So if I I'd like to plug in another veteran somewhere. I love I love Reese, mm-hmm. but if the Tigers hypothetically they retain Erod, right? if they could get a Michael Rinzen back or hell spend the money for Aaron Nola being the Aaron Nola sweepstakes, uh, another mm-hmm. veteran and then moving a resource Alex Fai- Fiedo into the bullpen just gives you more, more length. Um, I'm trying to see here. Um, yeah. The tiger, the tigers are third in a division right now and runs allowed um, at 6.55, and the white Sox and Royals are, 70 and a hundred more runs allowed. So yeah, I think, uh, I think if they can get a more consistent starting rotation as to where you don't have to send Turnbull down to work on stuff, get injured. You don't have to plug in Alex Fajardo every other week for spot starts. You don't have to have an opener for Joey Wentz every 10 days. Uh, I think if we get some more consistency, um, definitely the, if if the rotation's strong, the bullpen will be strong, and uh, I think that in itself will help the Tigers compete. And even even this year, I don't even think the rotation is the problem. I think the problem's the offense. So,
0: fair enough. Yeah, you know when you, when you when you look at John's tweet and you look at those five guys, uh, I don't know what the percentage of Erod being back is. Uh, to me, it's probably under twenty percent. But So if, that, if he does leave, then yes, they, uh, they have to get into the veteran market uh, and compete for a, a one or two good arms. If he does come back, I like the two options you gave. Lorenzen would be a perfectly fine guy to bring back. There would be nothing wrong with that. Uh, Aaron Nola would be the big get. I mean, that would be pretty exciting. I think that would have people buzzing uh, around uh, the Tiger Nation. So the other guys, there's so much variance there. I mean, how many of those guys have even pitched, I don't know, 125 innings or more in a season? I mean, Scooble and obviously Erod. Um, but the rest of those guys, I mean, there's, you know, are you going to get 30 starts or even 25 starts out of Matt Manning? Uh, Casey Mize, when he comes back, what is he? he? He could be fantastic, as I've talked about the last couple of podcasts, and I won't uh, repeat all of that. But, um, you know, but again, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. We don't know. Uh, what what that's gonna be. And then Scubol, you know, it's really interesting. Um after that good start, I looked up a couple things. He's really I don't think it's a fluke either. He's keeping the ball in the park incredibly well compared to where he was two years ago when home runs allowed just bedeviled him. You know, he gave up like 35 homers in under 150 innings. Right now he's given up three dingers so far in 58 innings. Um and he's done that by he's his ground ball percentage is up like 35 percent you know 14 percentage points uh from that season from from 2021 uh if he you know at that time i thought if he could just learn to keep the ball in the park he's going to be a star and he is doing that right now so that could be their arm that they build around uh assuming he can stay healthy
1: yeah. And in terms of like the free agent or trade talk, we had a comment from Tyler Parker who mentioned Paul Blackburn. Uh, I haven't really kept tabs on him this year, but I I know he's a guy who's had success in the past. He could be a trade target as well. But yeah, obviously if Eduardo Rodriguez doesn't come back, then you're going to need a veteran starter. Um, I've, I've looked at the, the I'm a, I have the list pulled up right here. I mean, Guy I've heard is Jordan Montgomery. I know people were talking about that on Twitter. If he's a, a veteran, you could give a two or three year deal to. If you lose Erod, uh, another guy I saw was Julio Urias, kind of tying into the news that came out today. I, 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 yeah, I just I know I was just asking if you guys saw that or not. Um, yes, not yeah, good. That was that was, not that was at unfortunate. All. Not good. Um, Blake Snell, another guy as well. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting, but. I want to ask you this, guy. Um, in terms of Reese Olson, I feel like he's looked really strong. Um, I think he has really, really good stuff. Uh, what is his ceiling compared? Because Cameron said he wants Reese Olson to be in the bullpen. Is his ceiling not a starter? Because I think he looks better right now, at, at least a little bit better than guys like Matt Manning. And I feel like he deserves to be talked about on the same level as a Tarek Skubal, a Casey Miser, or a Matt Manning for the Tigers' future
2: rotation. I will say that. Uh, Olsen has the strikeouts that I thought Matt Manning would be getting at this level Mm -hmm. uh, I thought Matt Manning would be the one throwing wipeout pitches it's Olsen it's uh, somehow it's not that I don't think Olsen can be a starter it's how many times can he get three times through the lineup we need guys who can get into the 6th inning I'm just not sure if Olsen will be able to consistently get into the 6th inning somehow Matt Manning's been doing it he hasn't been striking people out. He has an he has a bad dip in like the 150s, which is not going to be able to be maintained. Um, but, but he's not watching people either. Yeah. He he's somehow everything's getting everything hit into play is turning into an out for Matt Manning. Um hopefully, hopefully we don't see him blow up. I know he's he's coming up against the Yankees, right, at Yankee Stadium which is uh, giving me some worry for his next start, but um, I don't know. Let, let's, uh, let's see Olsen as a starter through the rest of the year. Let's see him in spring training. And if he can consistently get three times through a the lineup, then obviously he's a starter. But uh, if we start to, I think Wentz had the same, Wentz has been awful this year, but last year he was kind of having the same issue getting three times through a lineup. Um, so, yeah. I think, uh, I think that should be the goal for everyone, three times through the lineup, and Erod has been the only one consistently doing that this year.
0: You know, it's interesting. They've pretty much – well, Fajeto, they've been talking about making him a reliever this year, right? They, they moved him to the bullpen. He's probably going to uh, get some two-inning stints. Um, you could see – in some respects, you could see Reese Olsen going down that path. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, Right. Uh, he throws 97. If he's in the bullpen, maybe he's throwing 98, 99 uh, at times uh, when he really airs it out. And I think he could be a really good reliever, and I think he could be a multi-inning weapon out of a bullpen. Uh, but, this, but I think they keep him starting until he proves he can't do it, you know, until he, until they have – or they have better options, you know, which is would be the best of both worlds, right? Um, so a lot will depend on what comes out of the system, Next year, I mean, uh, what kind of fast track is Jackson Job on? Uh, does Ty Madden turn a corner, uh, and become a consistent force at uh, Toledo? So they got to get him up. And then, what, what, you know, is Wilmer Flores? Is he destined to do the Fiallo route, kind of tantalize us with starting, but probably end up as a reliever?
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I could see Wilmer Flores at, if I'm being honest. I mean, and there's also the trade possibility, too, if we really want the Tigers. The Tigers really want to compete next year. You could trade a a Ty Madden or a Wilmer Flores. We did get a comment about trading Jackson Job for a Yankees pitcher. I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't, other than Garrett Cole, I don't know how many Yankees pitchers uh, I'd really be too interested in. Um, But yeah, at the end of the day, I think the Tigers have a lot of young pitchers. You still have Bo Brisky, who's probably going to stick in the bullpen, but I think mm-hmm. there could also be a possibility he maybe moves back into the rotation as well. Um, but you but you had a topic in here about the young guys, and I've kind of been thinking about this, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on it, about the young guys. Because we talked about this year being a, a prove-it year, a, a see-what-we-got year. How mm-hmm. I know a lot of people will be upset about this. What about 2024 being a see-what-we-got year? Because you have these guys, I, I know, you have Colt Keith, don't you kind of want to see what you got in Colt Keith next year? Don't you want to see what Parker Meadows can do for, for a full year? What about Justin Henry Malloy? You got Andre Lipsius, Wensel Perez. Uh, hell, maybe these young starters, you want to give Reese Olson a full year to see what he can do. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on 2024 kind of being another year where you continue to see the development from the guys that have been at the major league level this year, but also calling up these young guys and giving them a
2: full season to see what they can really be for the Detroit Tigers. Go ahead, Cam. Yeah. I mean, I think it has to be a prove it year, right? I mean, there's, I don't think there is any expectations of really making the playoffs next year. I mean, they all central is the AL central. And I think the, I think this year it was the, the prove it year for the twins because they've called up Royce Lewis and Royce Lewis, and I'm forgetting their other young guys off the top of my head. But this was a prove-it year for them, and they've kind of run away with the division. Um, those guys, they're balling out. Um, Eduardo Julian, I mean, he's he's great. Um, yeah, he's really he's, – he yeah. is matching. So, so I think uh, next year the Tigers should hope to maybe be what the Twins are this year like colt keith comes up justin henry malloy comes up and they might not win the division off that but uh if they can get close to 500 then it's probably time to pull the trigger hey we're ready to compete these young guys it will be another year of torkelson and hopefully another year of riley green um not not being injured is what i'm what i'm getting at there um (laughs) (laughs) carrie carpenter so yeah um dh spot has freed up so yeah i think I don't think there's any expectations for the playoffs next year. I think the expectation should be Colt Keith gets played appearances. Justin Henry Malloy gets to play appearances. Casey Mize comes back from Tommy John. And then you go from there. You just you, you just see what you, you act. I want to say see what you actually have, but build off what you have.
0: Hmm.
2: I'm going to go the other way. Yeah, um, I, knew I, I knew you would. <laughs>
0: I think that one, and this goes back to the Avila days and with what Chris Illich has done. Uh, I always wanted them to use free agency and trade to build a base of stable veterans to add the youngsters around. I would have gone that road versus waiting for the youngsters to grow up and get good. And then I'm going to bring in all these magical veterans and we're going to win. Uh, I, I would have gone the other way and that's fine. There's the, the, People have, Feelings both sides of that not a problem um but for next year when you look again the goal is always to win the world series right i mean i the division is great and they want to win the division and nobody would be upset if they win the division but you got to have a team that's going to win the world series um they're not there we know that but for next year i really believe that we've Seen that if Riley Green can stay healthy, knock on wood, and we know what happened this week, and he's not healthy, and that's a problem that probably deserves its own discussion. Um, he looks like a ball player. That's something you can count on. Spencer Torkelson for the last month to six weeks is looking like a ball player, a guy you're going to pencil into that lineup, and he's just going to bat third and play first base, and there it is. Kerry Carpenter – Still probably an unproven commodity. People aren't going to like hearing that because they're going to say he's just as good as Torkelson. Maybe so. But when you're drafted in the 19th round, you're always going to have that bit of prove it on you until you do it for a longer stretch. Uh, I'm not even sure he's at 500 at-bats yet for his career. But he looks like he could potentially be the guy. So I think you plug in a couple of vets in free agency and trade this year. Two Torkelson and Green and Carpenter. And then, yes, Colt Keith is going to get his at bats. No question about it. He'll earn it. Malloy, probably they've got to find a spot for him somewhere. But remember, a lot of these young guys you talk about, whether it's Wenzel Perez and Colt Keith and uh, uh, Malloy and Lipsius, and a couple of them are going to stink. Okay. I'm just putting it right out there. When you have four, five, six rookies, and you're counting on them, you better not count on all of them to play well. You might get one or two who play well. And that's okay. That's just kind of the natural odds of baseball. Some guys adjust quickly, and some guys do with Torkelson. You know, <laughs> if Colt Keith gets a like rookie-level rookie, rookie level Spencer Torkelson next year, that's not a shocker. That's not a stunning development. That could definitely happen. So uh, we hope not. Well, I hope he's rookie of the year, and they get a first-round draft pick from starting him from the beginning of the season. But I think, John, to answer your question, they should look to compete next year. They should try to plug in at least one or two of those young players. But I think the other spots that they have around the diamond that where they could upgrade, they need to tap into the veteran market.
1: Yeah, I just – I don't know. I'm at the point where it's like the veteran market. I, I just – I can't see them getting that much better. Like Matt Chapman is a good third baseman. If you were to tell me that Cole Keith – could be a better hitter than Matt Chapman next year. I don't think that's out of the question. Like Matt Chapman has been a very streaky. And if you're going to be mm-hmm. spending all that money on him, I mean, why not just see what you have in Cole And you already do have these veterans in play. You have Zach McKinstry in place, where if, if everything goes wrong with Malloy and Cole Keith, you could plug him in there and he could be somewhat respectable. You still have Andy Abanez, and we've seen Lipsius. He hit his first home run. Uh, you have Winsell Perez, who's been tearing it up in Toledo. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting discussion, but I think at the end of the day, if you believe in the in the core they have right now, if you believe Torkelson and Green and Carpenter are for real, you hope those guys can kind of carry the offense along next year, and maybe there's a veteran you add. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's just a really interesting discussion because I've been hearing things like if the Tigers really want to compete next year, Javi Baez is not going to be their shortstop and stuff like that. So it'll be really interesting to see. I, I want them to spend money, but I would agree with you guys. It would probably be on some veteran pitching, but in, in terms of like offensively, it, it'll be interesting to see if they really want to give these guys as many at-bats as they possibly can or if they want to add a veteran like a Whit Merrifield like we've talked about. I've been a big Jamer Candelario guy. Uh, there's some veteran outfielders as well, um, but I think that's kind of the debate we're going to be having over this offseason, and I think it's going to be really exciting to see what Scott Harris decides to do. And again, I've talked about this before. That's the wild card, right? Scott Harris, he had a kind
0: of a quiet offseason last year, traded a couple of relievers, but didn't really make a big big stamp on the team kind of move. Um, So we don't know, is he the kind of guy who's going to let loose and and, and make a blockbuster and make some kind of trade? Uh, Or does he just, you know, kind of stay beneath the radar and make small moves uh, this year? We don't know what his MO really is.
2: So Scott Harris was GM for the Giants um, under, uh, uh, what's his name? I forgot. Farhan. Farhan, yes. Thank you. Yep. Um, And they went from, I think, a 450 win percentage to a 480 win percentage. And then the third year, they were at a 600 win percentage. And that was mainly built off the backs of veteran starters coming off injury and milking the last, bit of production out of evan longoria buster posey brandon belt so it can be done you just have to Mm -hmm. trust scott harris's talent evaluation um and yeah i don't really trust penciling in colt keith as the everyday third baseman or everyday second baseman next year not because i mean i have more than enough faith in colt keith that he's going to be a great mlb hitter but I don't think it's fair to put those expectations on Colt Keith. Um, so I think they will need to get a Jamer Candelario. Um, I wouldn't spend the money on Matt Chapman. I think Matt Chapman would be a Javi Baez 2.0, but at third base. Mm-hmm. And then should we should we touch on Baez real quick? Yeah, sure. there are no rules. We can yeah, want. What's there to talk about? <laughs> I mean, so. Uh, uh, Chris McCoskey, um, tweeted that AJ Hench Hint- said that, uh, Baez won't get that much playing time down the stretch. Um, I think he was battling illness at the start of the week. Who knows if that was just some canned response that mm-hmm. Baez was, just needed to sit some games or what, but, uh, but we might only see Baez once or twice a week for the rest of the year. Wow. And not that, not that I'm surprised. Um, the, the guy's at a low point, both professionally and probably personally with the passing of his grandfather. But there's no one else at shortstop. There's no one else in the system ready to play shortstop. Um, I think I, Peyton Graham's heard, probably.
1: Eddie's Leonard? That's what I've been hearing.
2: I don't think he's an MLB shortstop. I, think, I don't think he makes enough plays there. Man, and then, I don't know if Kreider has the – Kreider might not have the stick probably has the glove but not the stick yeah yeah and I got into an argument on Twitter about that uh if we if we if they bring up Kreidler do you think if you gave him 400 at bats he'd have better than a 60 WRC plus like oh yeah if the
0: if the the, you know if the the hurdle to clear is Javi Baez as a tiger then yes (laughs) uh that's,
2: that's a good thing he'd be fine it is uh people don't realize Baez still has a positive positive WAR. sure he, he has 11 outs above average so there is still positive production there i think uh, everyday regular should be at 2.0 WAR, so he is below that threshold but he's not actively taking away from the team um, just because his glove is that good but uh I think, again, it's, everyone Everyone needs to swallow the pill. Baez is going to be here for the next few years because no either, one's taking I mean, that contract no one, and the agreed. Tigers aren't going to eat it.
0: Well, that's the question. Do at some point, will they? I mean, I think I think we're at least a year away from that. I would agree with you. I don't see any reason why he would opt out unless he is just determined to go play somewhere he wants to play and forego the money but nobody does that so (laughs) i think that he will opt in and he should i would i'm who wouldn't right Uh, so uh yeah i think that's just going to be an ongoing issue uh it's very interesting that they do plan on curtailing his time though down the stretch um that's
2: something that's definitely worth uh worth watching the Zacks are way more interesting to watch at shortstop than Avi Baez right now. I mean, Baez <laughs> did make that nice double play, but I don't know. I like uh, I like seeing Zach Short hit home runs out of that eight hole. Something brings me some some sense of joy just seeing him pop one over the wall.
1: Well, yeah, and Uper that was your thing all off season. And to say Zach Short's gonna make it through the whole season, I mean, didn't he get <laughs> he got called up
2: once and he's made it all the way through, right? Pretty much. He got, yeah, pretty up much. As a, he got called up as a 27th man for a double header. He's made it all the he, way through. He hit a home run and hasn't been down since. I um, always love rooting
0: for those guys. I was Vic Reyes' number one fan, as you know. And it's not because I thought Vic Reyes was a great ball player. And there were so many people ripping how You know, so many people last spring were, how is Zach Short still on the roster? Blah, 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 blah. So I was rooting for him. He's my boy. So uh, it's been fun, but he is what he is. Uh, He's got a 299 on-base percentage. He hits for a little bit of power now and then, and he makes most plays. We had a couple of juggles this weekend that kind of cost him here and there, but, you know, he's he's a bench guy.
1: He's an infield-driven Don Kelly, basically. Yeah, but in terms of, like, saying you're going to eat Javi Baez's contract I just still have a hard time believing he's this bad. Because, like, I remember last year. Last year, he had a 671 OPS at 238. That was, like, bad. Like, that was like, wow, look how terrible Javi Baez is. If he can be that, if he can give you a 671 OPS and hit you at 15, I think he had 17 home runs last year. If he could do that, then he's he's a good – I mean, he was the Tigers' best player last year. So, I just – I have a hard time believing he's this bad of a hitter. I still think he could be – Slightly below average. I don't think he's ever going to be an all-star or an above-average hitter, but he can't be this bad. Like I feel like at some point he's going to bounce back in some way. Well,
0: if he keeps keeps swinging at pitches 18 inches out of the zone, he's not going to do that. Okay, I mean it's just, he's not going to get better. Uh, I, I just think that unfortunately, he has reached his 30s, and there are some guys who once they reach their 30s. The power goes and the bat speed goes, and that's it. Okay, some guys make it to 35, 36, some don't. So far, he's not. If we went in, if we jumped in our Motor City Metrics time machine and went back to the year that he signed in Detroit, you know, the Tigers are coming off Hinch's first year where they played, you know, decent baseball down the stretch, and they go to add a couple guys, Erod. And Baez and people are a little bit excited. Both of them similar contracts with a buyout, the opt out after year two. And I think if um, Alavila's master plan, if indeed there was one, had come to fruition, I mean the whole idea was to have those guys for two years, get two good years out of them, and they both opt out and go, and nobody cares because they had two good years. You know Um, that is possibly going to happen now for Erod? He's at least had one good year and it was the right good year this year versus last year. Uh, But Baez, that has tanked. I mean, that has gone right down the toilet to the point where there's almost no option for him but to opt in. Um, So, uh, you know, if you could go back in time, there were five shortstops on the market. Trevor Story has been injured. Baez has been terrible any of those other three would have been
2: uh, a pretty big upgrade for what the Tigers have these days. To be clear to YouTube chat. Uh, if you gave 650 play appearances to Baez and Zach short, I'm picking Baez every time. Um, going back to 2021, I just looked it up on fan graphs and 2021 tiger shortstops combined for a negative one F war and a 73 WRC plus. Um, I believe that was mainly Zach short and Willie Castro over there um, for a majority of the year. So Baez having what a 2.3 F war, uh, last year was a 3.3 war upgrade over what the Tigers had in 2021. So yes, I would, I would definitely take Baez for, uh, Andre 62 over, uh, or Zach short. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, I think we've beat the dead horse. Um, just, uh, don't don't be surprised when Baez is only playing every other day because yeah. I guess that's what A.J. Hinch said. So,
1: uh, Speaking of another guy who could play, because I wanted to kind of pitch this to you guys. We're going to talk about trades that potentially happen. I don't know about you guys, but I'm starting to feel like Akil Badu is the odd man out for the Detroit Tigers. I just feel like you have Riley Green, you have Parker Meadows, which – I feel like we need to talk about Parker Meadows a bit on this podcast because of what he's been able to do defensively on the base pass. Uh, He's been a really, really positive development for the Tigers. You have Justin Henry Malloy. You still have Matt Veerling. Does it feel that way as Akil Badu as the odd man out? Because I do think the Tigers really need to address that infield like we've talked about. And I think could there be a trade this offseason where you're trading Akil Badu uh, to get an infielder? But I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that.
2: I okay. I predicted uh, during the trade deadline that Erod and Badu would both go to the Yankees for some type of package. Uh obviously didn't happen, but I still think I still think think the Yankees should target Akil Badu just because it'd be Curtis Granderson Light. The Yankees need a left fielder and they need someone who can uh who can put the ball in play. Um well I guess not just put the ball in play, but actually cause cause some havoc on the base paths because right now they're well I guess they're getting younger and younger because they just cut Donaldson they added their top two prospects in their organizational ranks Um, so yeah I think uh, I think Badu being part of a being part of a, some bigger trade I don't see him just getting traded by himself I don't know what team would necessarily want that but as part of a bigger trade piece I could see Badu going to some team that needs a needs a lefty outfielder
0: i think that he has options left next year so i mean he they can send him to the minors uh if they have to uh if enough other if enough of the other guys beat him out you know and he's he's the sixth outfielder uh then he'll end up in toledo now the question comes down to do they need the 40-man roster spot for him uh, at some point you know with the rule five and the guys who are going to be rule five eligible and um uh, that sort of thing. So it becomes a numbers game. But to be honest, I still think there's some ceiling there to go after with him and to be patient. I always just go back to the he missed the COVID year, then he had an injury year. He just hasn't played a lot of baseball for a guy who's been in the big leagues for his you now his third season. And he's still young enough to get better. So personally I hope they do find a way to keep him. I don't think his trade value is anything too great. Uh, I think that a trade that's possibly brewing out there is if they go to a rebuilding team and say, Hey, we have all of these prospects. And to be honest, about four of them should probably end up being first baseman. <laughs> Who do you want? Uh, so we can get something we need. Uh, and I'm talking about Jace Young and, Colt Keith, and Justin Henry Malloy, and the list goes on and on. Um, uh, You know, these are probably, and they have Torkelson on board already, and really, Carrie Carpenter probably should, if if they could really do it, they'd probably make him a first baseman in the old days. (laughs) So, um, first baseman they have. They could probably trade a couple of those guys for something pretty good. Uh, I, I Again, I would look to hang on to Badu. That may be just because I personally, I like the guy. I like the power. I like the patience. Um, Certainly, he has not put up the productivity that we like to see yet.
1: Yeah, I think he has had a bounce back season. He's a one more player this year, has an OPS plus of 88. So I think he's definitely rebuilt his trade value a little bit. Uh, But I think it's going to be interesting just because of the left-handed bats the Tigers do have. And I, I just keep going back. Like I, I remember, me and Uper talked about like what they could do this offseason, and I mentioned like I'm gonna kind of do some research on who they could look to trade for, and I just keep going back to a guy like Jonathan India, who I think just would be a really, really good fit here. And I wonder if if you were to offer the Cincinnati Reds and Akil Badu, uh, maybe throwing a sweetener or a prospect as well. But I think the Tigers really need to address the infield, uh, especially if you're you're unsure if Colt Keith can be your everyday third baseman or second baseman next year. And so I think the trading from the outfield um, unless you want to trade some prospects, which, I mean, I feel like Scott Harris is in the process of building that farm system back up. I don't know how, how smart it would be to kind of tear it down right right now, but I, I do think an infielder like Jonathan India would really make a lot of sense for the Tigers. Well, the Reds are looking for probably,
0: I mean, I'm not, I'm not a Reds expert, but they're probably looking for pitching. Right. I mean, uh, they have a, a boatload of young prospects taking up uh, positions right now around their whole infield with Ellie De La Cruz and uh, Spencer Steer and uh, Matt McClain. Uh, and they have a few others that they've just called up as well. I mean, the list goes on. They probably need arms. Uh, you know, Lynn Henning has traded Tarek Skubal about six times already. So that could be somebody who's out there. Um, we've talked about Matt Manning. We don't know how he's doing it. Um and if that's the case, maybe it's time to move him if you can. So I mean there there's a lot of different ways Scott Harris can take this. Uh, that's why it is going to be a fascinating offseason.
2: Yep. Cameron, do you have anything to add? Uh, no, other than it seems like uh, seems like all these young teams doing well lack pitching. and I wish the Tigers pitching had stayed healthy because there may be, like, if Casey Mize was healthy, Matt Manning was healthy, Tariq Skubal was healthy, Alex Fajardo was healthy and doing what he's capable of doing. I mean, hypothetically, Tigers could be trading a lot of pitchers for uh, some to some of these young teams like Baltimore and Cincinnati. But.
1: Well, I do think Tarek Skubal has built his trade value up pretty well. I mean, he had a really good season last year, and he's kind of just built off that. He's been a little up and down, but I do think – if he has a solid month of the season, I definitely think his trade value will be up there. And you still have Jason Foley as well. So they do have some pictures they want to trade, but I don't know if I'm ready to move on from Scooble yet, unless you're really getting a great package for him. Yeah, well, that's issue, it. The issue
2: when is you talk- uh, we don't want to move on from Scooble. Yeah. I mean, that's it. When,
0: when you talk about trading Scooble, whenever Lynn Henning brings that up, he gets killed on Twitter for it, right? <laughs> Which is always amusing. But, um, nobody's untradable right I, I always firmly believe that I mean you can always somebody could offer you something that knocks your socks off and you're going to say yes so with terek schoolble obviously they're not giving him away it's not a fire sale you'd be looking to make a surgical strike by moving him and get a couple of pieces that you really believe in are going to help put your team into a new position to compete right that's the whole it's not about getting a bunch of wild cards and lottery tickets for terek Skuble uh, you'd be looking to get a guy or guys that you can plug in now probably and compete or in very short order. So you're, you're looking for a premium return. People, I, I always think people are saying that we're, that we're looking to give people away, and that's not the case. So when you look at the Tigers pitching staff, between between the, the ability and the performance, I mean, you would have to think Scoobles the guy that would draw the biggest market. Now he has had a Tommy John surgery in his past. Then he had the other arm uh, surgery last year. That's a problem. But if you look what he's done this year, again, I go back. I mean, his biggest bugaboo two years ago was home runs. And this year he has shut that down to this point. And it's not really a fluke number so much as he has changed the results. He's getting, he's getting a lot of ground balls versus fly balls. Now, Uh, if that is real, if that becomes the Tarek school uh, that we're going to see moving forward. That's a pretty valuable commodity, whether you trade it or keep it.
1: Um. Yeah. But it, again, it'll be an interesting off I feel like you probably always so- somehow end up on the off season and trades and free agency. It's yeah. Just, it's fun to talk about. It's 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 what we well, look for. I when your um, team
0: is uh, you know ten games under five hundred and a negative ninety diff- run differential, you you look to the future a little bit, right? But, again, they're coming off a good weekend. You know, they, they swept the White Sox. They uh, are one way – if they can beat the White Sox one time next week, they'll have a winning record against every team in the Central Division this year, uh, which would be pretty cool. Uh, obviously, they got their butts kicked by the AL East, and this week they're going into New York um, to try to get some uh, measure of revenge if ballplayers think that way from week to week uh, against the Yankees. But, you know, the good thing with the Tigers is they've been a better road team this year than home team. So they might be able to go into New York and snatch two games. Who knows?
1: Yeah, and how about just the fact that, I mean, they've almost surpassed last year. They won 66 games last year. They're at 63. I mean, we talked about our predictions. I think I said I was either 72 or 75, but it looks like the Tigers could potentially get to that 75-win threshold, which uh, that's a nine-game improvement from last year. I mean, that's pretty substantial. Like Cameron said, with Scott Harris with the Giants making that a four fifty winning percentage to a four eighty, like I think the Tigers eclipsing seventy wins, which there was a lot of people that didn't think they would do that. So for them to get to potentially seventy five wins,
2: uh, I think that's a very uh, successful season for them. I put uh, I put ten dollars on uh, Tigers winning over sixty nine point five. So I'll mm-hmm. uh, I'll make a little money if they hit seventy wins. So uh, I'm I'm rooting for it. We're counting it down. We're there. You're getting there. I think you're
1: safe on 70. Yeah, I would I would hope so. I mean, they, you got to play, what, around 500 baseball to get there the rest of the way? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but we did have a topic about Miguel Cabrera. I feel like we didn't really talk about him that much with the four hits, but just kind of chasing history over these last couple of games. I do think he's probably going to be getting more at-bats, getting more starts. Uh, I was talking with my one friend about his, his last game of the year, how expensive tickets are for that, to be able to see Miggy in person. Um, I, Cameron, I don't know if, you, if you're going to try to get to that. I've, I've definitely thought about it, being able to see Miggy. I might shed a couple tears, if I'm being honest, uh, <laughs> if I get to his last game. But, yeah, he had a four-hit game. I made the joke about him coming for Adrian Beltre because, you know, I remember they had a little scuff, a, not a scuffle, but at third base. and um, scuffle. Yeah, Yes, a play a, a playful scuffle. Uh, Beltray three thousand one hundred and sixty six hits. Miguel Cabrera three thousand one hundred and fifty eight hits. So he's closing in on there. Miggy is also one double away from tying Hank Aaron. Uh, Hank Aaron six hundred twenty four doubles. Miggy's at six twenty three. And then as you know, Miguel Cabrera five hundred ten home runs. So maybe there's a bet there as to if Miggy can hit another home run or two. Uh, but, yeah, it'll just be really fun to see him. It seems like he's saving his best baseball of the year uh, for the last month, and, and it's really great to see. I mean, I saw someone on Twitter say, Miggy should play again next year, which is crazy because I remember in April people were <laughs> saying that um, people were saying the Tigers should DFA him in April. Um, so for him to be able to turn his season around, and has he been a league average hitter? No, but I feel like he's been a solid contributor for the Tigers he has
0: given them competitive at bats. You know, he hasn't where he was in early May when he was hitting about a buck 50, that was looking pretty scary. You, you hated to see him go out like that if he was going to, but now he has battled through it. He's been a pro. Uh, he's had a lot of good at bats. He's certain, he certainly gets overmatched by a fastball now and then. And you can tell he, he waves at some things because he's guessing a little, but that's okay. He's 40 years old and he's, it's been really a pleasure to watch him this summer, to be honest. Uh, this week, he passed Paul Wayner from the days of yore in hits. And then from the not so far in the past, he, he passed George freaking Brett uh, on the hit list. That's amazing. If you were around for the George Brett era in any way, shape, or form, he's one of the greatest hitters that's ever played the game. Probably the one of the three best-hitting third basemen in the history of baseball. Um, so, Mickey went past him. He's probably going to pass... Beltray, passing Hank Aaron in doubles. What an accomplishment that is! I think he's only a couple home runs away from passing someone else in homers too. I forget now. Um, Sheffield. No, he passed. Yeah, he passed Sheffield. Oh, Uh, yeah. I think he's one past him now. Um, But I think he's like two or three more to pass another guy. So he's moving up on the home run list. Um, If he can have a, a, a Albert Pujols light finish. To his career, like Pool Holes put
1: on last year. Uh, that would be a whole lot of fun this month. So for Miguel Cabrera, he's 26th all time in home runs. Uh Mel Ott is 25th, uh, one home run above him. And then you have okay. Eddie Matthews, who's two home runs above him, tied with uh Ernie Banks, who's two home runs. So Miguel Cabrera, I, I would say best case scenario, he hits three more home runs and he will sit. 23rd all time in home runs is wow, I, those, I are three, that. those are three incredible names to pass right there I just, you just have to
0: the appreciation of that is underrated i mean that's under that needs to be talked about more those great names that baseball is built on like ernie banks or eddie matthews my gosh uh to put cabrera surpass them uh is
2: really it's mind-blowing so since May 25th, Cabrera is batting 291 with a 355 on base and a 407 slug, which is good for a 112 WRC plus, which is behind only Torkelson, Carpenter and Green for best hitters on the team in that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, the, ol- the old man's got got some got some life left in him.
0: And, you know, credit yeah, to AJ Hinch. I think Hinch has done the right thing by him, picked his spots, got good matchups for him, used him sporadically enough where he stayed fresh, uh, didn't overuse him. Maybe they'll push it a little bit here in September. Will he? Will he even perhaps play first base that final series at home, um, at least for a game? That'd be kind of cool. But they've they've managed they've managed him well. They've they've done right by him uh, for these last few months.
1: Yeah, and I was I was talking about this with my grandpa today in terms of, like, Miggy's had an incredible career. He's done pretty much everything there is to do. I mean, we all wish he could have won a World Series with the Tigers, even make it back to the playoffs with the Tigers, I think. Um, that was really unfortunate. We never got to see that. But just thinking about his decline was so, like, it was so drastic. Like, it, it wasn't like some of the other stars where you go from being having an OPS plus of, I mean, Miggy's OPS plus some of these years, 170, 150. Uh, it was really a, a drastic fall off for that. And you just hope uh, if he were just to stay a little bit healthier, uh, the, the the numbers he could be putting up, um, not to take anything away from him, but to, just to think about how far up these lists he could actually be. Because the, the power hasn't been there in, in what, five years? His, his power has mm-hmm. been gone. Like it, it was just such a drastic fall off for him. Uh, but to see him end, end this uh and his run with the Tigers like this, uh, you do wish there was a couple more home runs sprinkled in there, but he's been a a, a solid contributor for them.
0: Well, you know, he,
1: he, his whole career,
0: you know, he had been so, um, he wasn't hurt a lot early in his career. Uh, he, he played a lot of baseball. You know, you look at his year by year, there's a lot of 155 160 games year after year after year. And it was amazing. As soon as he signed that big contract was the first year he started getting oblique injuries and some knee problems. Um, But you just knew when he signed that contract, I mean, I said it back then, their hope, their best case scenario is they get about four good years out of him and then they can kind of manage the decline. Um, And unfortunately the decline started almost right away. They got maybe one really good year out of him, maybe two, and then they've been managing this, this fall off over the years through all those injuries. They didn't get the David Ortiz finish to the career uh, for a big man. They got the big guy who was uh, physically wearing down uh, year after year after year, which was sad to watch. But at least now we're we're getting kind of a, a probably
1: a happy ending. Yeah. Just, just to talk about it, like 2016, 5.1 more, and then the next year a negative 0.9 more. It's just the – the, the, the fall off of it was very drastic, but I do think, um, you know, it is what it is with Miguel Cabrera. Obviously, we can't take nothing away from what he's done. I did see the Detroit Tigers. Uh, they posted, they had a phone line, I guess, for Miguel Cabrera um, where you could leave messages. I don't know if anyone in the chat has saw that. I don't know if you guys saw that. There's like the phone line where you could leave like a farewell retirement message for Miggy.
2: Nice. I, I saw that, and there were a lot of good memes that came came out of that. <laughs> oh,
1: I, I was thinking about recording. I don't know if you guys are going to record them. We could, I think that would be a, a good segment for the show, our farewell message. I, I mean, we could definitely do that on one of the shows, our farewell message to Miguel Cabrera. We can record it live on the air here. Yes, that would be interesting because he means a lot to me. I mean, he's the only guy. When I started watching the Tigers in 2010, he's the only guy left from that. And that's very – it's just crazy to think about because I remember being a younger kid watching all these players as I grow up and thinking, like, what does the future hold? And just thinking about these guys on other teams or being retired was just crazy to think about. So for him being that last remaining piece, it's going to be pretty sad when uh, he's not in a Tigers uniform next year.
0: Who will be the dean of the Tigers next year? That's interesting. I can't – have to think about that a little bit.
1: <laughs> I would. I wouldn't mind Eduardo. I, I was watching the broadcast a couple days ago, and they were interviewing Eduardo Rodriguez while he was in the dugout, and he said he took all the young pitchers out for dinner, and that was very interesting to me because it's like maybe he does see himself as the veteran of the staff that can kind of lead these guys. Uh I mean, he's been he's won a World Series. He's he's been to the playoffs many many times. Um mm-hmm. Maybe he's a guy that can kind of take that mantle for the Tigers. There you go. You never know. Um, but yeah, Cameron. Anything else before we get out of here? Youper,
2: anything else? Chat, anything else? Uh, on the Miguel Cabrera thing, I think we have to remember that he did play through some injuries in 2013 and I believe 2014 because he wanted to help make the Tigers make a playoff push. And I I vaguely remember an article back like when Cassianos became a red and Cassianos was injured he talked about how Cabrera was like upset that Cassianos like took days off because he was like day to day and Cabrera was talking about like hey i played through injury to try and make a playoff push you should play through injury that that's not fair for to Cassianos at all but hmm. i think it says a lot for Cabrera's work ethic that uh maybe the reason he, his decline was so sharp was because he really pushed himself during those uh during those peak years to get the tigers into the playoffs and push for a world series. Yeah. Oh, there's no question like the year oh,
0: I want to say it was 13 but it was the year he hit the home runs off the royals uh Comerica off Aaron Crow, uh, the walk-off winner. He was definitely he, he was on a roll in September and August and September he was just crushing the ball. And he was playing on one foot. You know, there's no question about it. Um, But he uh, has had that ability, you know, um, to overcome the aches and pains in those days because he was one of the, you know, most gifted natural hitters the game has ever seen. Um, uh, That was probably the year also he hit the home runs off Mariano Rivera at Yankee Stadium, which might be, you know, some of the best baseball
1: moments you'll ever witness. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about more moments and memories over this last month. Motor City Metrics about supposed to be about the numbers, but you know we do get attached to these players. There is, you know, emotions involved in this, and I think a lot of people are going to be feeling those as the as the month winds down, as the season ends down. Um, only other thing I wanted to ask before we headed out of here is the Detroit Lions play on Thursday. Youper, I remember we talked about the Lions a little bit with your unique view of that. Cameron, I don't know how much of a football guy you are, but, um, yeah, what are you thinking for uh, the game on Thursday before we head out of here?
0: I'm, uh, I'm going to go Chiefs
2: 31, Lions 22. Okay. Uh, I think the score is going to be in the 20s, and I think the Lions will get some key turnover against Patrick Mahomes that will solidify a win for them. That's, go. that's my prediction. I the chiefs are probably more than likely
1: going to win. And my prediction is if the lions do win, I think there's going to be a lot of people saying a lot of ridiculous stuff. If the lions do win, which again is <laughs> probably not going to happen. Um, But yeah, that'll be a fun game to watch. I don't know what it means for the Thursday show. Cause I know everyone and their mother is going to be watching that game on Thursday. Um, so we'll see what that means for the tigers, but we'll be here covering the tigers, talking about the tigers. Um, you know, we'll, we'll always be here talking Tigers on Twitter, uh, YouTube, anywhere you want to get your Tigers content, we'll be here. Um, But, yeah, thanks, Cameron, for joining. Thank you for posting all great stuff on social media. Um, Youper, do you want to you wanna do the intro or do you want me to to close it out for us? Close it out, John. Take it away. All right. All right. I'll, I'll feel like I can do it a little better than Alec Langs has been uh, lately. Um, But, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching and for listening. Uh, We'll see you guys in the next show. Take care, everybody. There you go.